0: If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter four? Ephesians is in your New Testament, second half of your Bible. Ephesians, chapter four, we're going to be looking at verse 22 together today. We're doing a series here at Thrive. It also happens to be the theme for this year of us here at Thrive. And that theme and that series are called New Heart, New Horizons. Everyone say New Heart, New Horizons. New heart, new horizons. And it's because we believe that God has new horizons for you. Whether it comes to your future, whether it comes to the way you approach relationships, when it comes to your outlook in life, maybe when it comes to you fighting an old battle, but just in a new way, that God has new horizons for you. Maybe you just welcomed a baby into the world just very recently. A big congratulations to you. It's a new horizon. Maybe you're getting ready to get married very soon. Congratulations. It's a new horizon. And here's the thing. If you want to fully experience and make the most out of the new horizon that God has for your life, it's so important to have a renewed heart. Why? It's because you're gonna find that the condition of your heart impacts the reach of your horizon. How do you get a new heart for a new horizon? Well, let me just tell you something right now. On Thursday, when we shared the news with all of you that our Richmond building needs uh, you know, some, some attention and is out of commission for the time being, uh, my parents actually called me. and They said, hey, we, we, in light of this news we heard about, it, it, it so happens we have a brand new space that we're still figuring out what to do with, and if you want, you can use that as a, it's not a huge space, but you can use it to livestream your service. And uh, you know, we we actually saw like in, after Thursday, between Thursday and today, we went to a bunch of different places, and and, and we, we got to this space, and our media team loved this space, and they really liked the space, and praise God, now we've got a new space for recording our live streams. Praise God for all of that, a new space. But see, don't you wish that getting a new heart was that easy? Don't you wish that, you know, when your heart needs some attention, some fixing, and is out of commission, that you can just go and call someone, and they just give you a new heart right away, and it's just easy that way? See, unfortunately, getting a new heart is not that simple. Getting a new heart takes time. Getting a new heart takes work, but the good news is is that you're not alone in the process of getting a new heart. God is in the business of leading people to new hearts, and if you would join him, work with him, cooperate with him in that process of getting to a new heart, you will experience a new horizon. If you believe that, say amen. And that's what we're talking about in this series called New Heart, New Horizons. How do we work with God and cooperate with him and do the steps that he wants us to take so that we can reach a new heart and a new horizon? Let's look at Ephesians chapter four, verse 22 today. I want you to get ready to underline something as we read God's word, get ready to highlight something, maybe with a pen or with your device there. And we're just gonna read this out loud together. Verse 22, what does it say? It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. If you have your Bibles in front of you, would you underline these words? Go to verse 23 and underline these words. To be made new in the attitude of your minds to be made new in the attitude of our minds. God made us to be new in the attitude of our minds. And look at verse 25, and we just re- was underlined these three words, speak the truth. Speak the truth. We turn to him and say, speak the, truth. Speak, the truth. speak the truth. Speak the truth. See, today, the message I'm here to share with you is called Out of the Rut, Into the Truth, Part 2. Out of the Rut, Into the Truth, Part 2. Now, if you weren't here last week, that's totally okay, because we're going to catch you up right here, right now. What did we learn last week in Into, or Out of the Rut, Into the Truth? Let's review what we learned last week. See, they say that according to neuroscientists, people who study the brain, is that whenever you do anything new, for the first time, your brain forms a neural pathway. A neural pathway. What is a neural pathway. A neural pathway is a connection between neurons in your brain that allows you to do something faster and faster the more that you do it. For for example, if you learn a new word, or you learn a new exercise like throwing a frisbee or, throw, or, throwing a, or, or shooting a free throw in basketball or riding a bike. You're doing it for the first time. Maybe you're experiencing something for the first time in your life. There is a neural pathway that is formed in your brain. It's, an, it's a new path between neurons in your brain. Almost like a fresh patch of snow and a car for the first time drives over that patch. Before there wasn't a path, now there's a little bit of a path. And it's not very defined. It's not very deep, but there's a path there. And see, the more you travel along that path, the more you say that word, the more you do that exercise, the more you relive that experience, what happens is that path becomes deeper and more defined over time. And what happens is as you learn that thing that was once unfamiliar, it becomes more and more familiar to you such that you become someone who's very adept at it. It can become almost second nature. It can become almost automatic. It can also become your built-in response to certain situations. So you know, something happens and it triggers a response in you through the things you think, the things you say that's called a neural pathway. And see, here's the thing, neural pathways are God's gift to us so we can function in this world. But what happens when unhealthy or destructive ways of thinking become our strongest neural pathways? See, what happens when worry becomes your strongest neural pathway? Where whenever anything unexpected happens, your immediate built-in response is to worry about it all the time. Well, what if this happens? Oh, it's up, what if that happens? And you just start to worry. What if complaining becomes your strongest neural pathway? Where when something unexpected happens, the first thing you do is you blame and you complain. And you scream and you shout. And you get all frustrated and you complain. About it all the time, that becomes your built in response. What happens then? What happens when giving up becomes your strongest neural pathway? That whenever you experience anything challenging, your first instinctive response is to run away, It's to say, I'm out of here. See, what happens when unhealthy ways of thinking become our strongest neural pathways? That's what we call a rut in your brain. A rut, let me just write it for you a rut in your brain is that it is a way of thinking that is not healthy. That is tough to change. Now, when you're in a rut, you're going to find something happens. Is When you're in a rut, you're stuck in an unhealthy way of thinking, you can be in church, and you can be hearing a message full of hope, but then that part of you goes, you know what? Eh, yeah, I don't believe it. And, or you might be somewhere, you, at first, you feel super hopeful, but then you, you, you go back into your, your normal everyday, and you just go back to you know, living and, and thinking that unhealthy way. Again. Why? Is it because God is not real? Is it because, you know, Jesus is fake? Is it because you know, our hope in Jesus is not, is, not, is not true? Is it because God's word is not powerful? No, it's none of those reasons. It's simply because you've trained your brain to think in a certain way. And it just so happens that you, your neural pathway that talks about complaining, your neural pathway that talks about I'm going to rely on myself instead of anyone else, that is just stronger than that neural pathway you've formed to look to God for hope. And see, it's about how you've trained your brain. And see, the good news is this, is that our brains are not set in stone. Is that just as we can wire our brains to think unhealthy, destructive thoughts, we can also rewire our brains to think healthy, positive thoughts. Let me put it to you this way, is that when you think of something differently for the first time, when you choose to respond to a situation in a different way for the first time, what you do is you form a new path. Maybe you just, you know, in the past, whenever you encountered something unexpected, you would just complain and complain and complain. That was your strongest neural pathway. But when you choose to respond differently and say, you know what, instead of complaining this time, I'm going to find something to thank God for. I'm going to choose an attitude to gratitude. I'm going to find one thing to be thankful for. What do you do? You're creating a new path. Say maybe your, new, your, your, your strongest neural pathway is that whenever you encounter something unexpected, you start to panic. You're starting, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And that's your strongest neural pathway. But what if one day you decide, you know what? Instead of panicking this way, let me do this instead. I'm going to try a new way of approaching this. I'm going to try to trust God. I'm gonna trust that God is bigger than my problem, that God is bigger than my situation. And the more you do that, the more you practice this new way of thinking, what happens is this new neural pathway gets stronger and stronger. Your brain travels on it more and more. Maybe it was a dirt path before, but the more you do it, it can become a highway eventually. And that old path, that gets weaker and weaker, and it loses its power in your life. What is that called? That is called, according to neuroscientists, that's called rewiring your brain. That's called neuroplasticity. What is that called in the Bible? That's called, well, in the words of Ephesians 4, being made new in the attitude of your mind. And see, that's what we're talking about today. If you find yourself stuck in unhealthy ways of thinking, if you find yourself in a rut, I've got good news for you today. You don't need to stay stuck in your rut. But with God's help, you can get out of the rut toward a new heart and a new horizon. If you believe that, say amen. And see, how do you do that? Let me just give you a really simple idea for how you get out of your rut. Do you know how you get out of the rut? This is how you do it. You replace the rut with the truth. Let me say it again. How do you get out of a rut? You replace the rut with the truth. And that's what we're gonna learn how to do today. How do you replace the rut With the truth. Let me give you three very simple ways that you can try to do that. Number one, I hope you take some good notes today wherever you're watching this service right now. If you want to replace the rut with the truth, then number one, locate the lie at the root of your rut. Locate the lie at the root of your rut. You know, I have a younger cousin who's just one year younger than me. We're not that far apart. And, you know, before, when we were maybe five, six years old, we really bonded. We hung out a lot together. We played video games together. We liked to watch John Candy comedy movies together. We liked Bruce Lee. And, you know, once I I can remember that our families were inside my house and they're having this little get together while me and my cousin were outside in the front yard. And you know what we're doing? We're practicing Bruce Lee on one another is that we're fighting, we're wrestling, we're grappling, we're you know, you're bringing each other to the ground, there's grass stains, there's bloody noses, there's runny noses, it's all of that. And, and see, I, I remember there's one point, there's one specific point where I've got him down on the ground, I've got him pinned, and I could see these mushrooms right near his head. I was like, you know what? You see those mushrooms? You know that mushrooms are made out of dog pee? And he was like, oh! And he, and he got up quickly, and he, was, he kind of panicked. And you know what happened? A few months later, he and his family moved to California. Not because of that incident, but they, they, they moved to California just because they had to move to California. And you know, many, many, many years later, I will go to visit my cousin in California. And I'm sitting in a restaurant with my cousin. And the server comes and says, okay, what can I get you? And I look at the menu and I say, hey, uh, can I get a mushroom burger, please? And after we order, my cousin has the most shocked look on his face. He's like, you ordered a mushroom burger? Like, how could you order a mushroom burger? I'm like, what do you mean? I just ordered one. And he's like, no, no, like you, you told me that mushrooms are made out of dog pee. And, and since that time, I've never eaten a mushroom in my life. And this is like many, many years later. I'm like, are you serious? I'm so sorry. Uh, do you want to try one now? No, no, I don't want to try one right now. And, and so what happened is that all because of a lie, my cousin, and couldn't eat mushrooms, and even to this day, I'm not sure if he eats mushrooms. And see, here's the thing. Not being able to eat mushrooms is not the bis- it's, not, it's not the worst problem in the world, all right? Though I feel for you, because, you know, there's some mushrooms that are really good, but, but here's the thing, is that it goes to show that when you fall for a lie, it can lead to an unhealthy way of thinking and an unhealthy way of living. And see, what does that have to do with the rut in your brain? Let me tell it to this way. At the root of your rut, there is often a lie that you've fallen for, Let me put it this way. If you could take like a a little miniature, you know, Mario Kart into your brain and you could travel down the neural pathway that is your rut and go all the way to the starting line, all the way to where it all began, very likely at the root of that rut, you will find an unhealthy way of thinking and you will find more importantly, you will find a lie something that was not true, something that you believed about yourself or your situation that was not true, you will find a lie at the root of your rut. For example, in September last month, I shared with you about one of my biggest ruts when I was in high school, how for years I was secretly obsessed with losing weight. And how so, so conscious about what I was eating, so obsessed about exercising all the time. And over time, as much as I felt like I was looking better in the mirror, I was losing a lot of weight. I developed this pattern of thinking where, you know, if I didn't eat healthy that day, or if I didn't exercise that day, I'd feel so depressed. I'd feel like this anxiety creeping up within me. I'd have this extreme level of guilt and shame over me, such that, you know, in the middle of the night, I want to run right then. You know, I would say, oh, I'm not going to eat anything tomorrow. I'm just going to eat watermelon tomorrow. That was my rut. And see, what was the lie? at the root of my rut. Well, the lie that I believed back then is your worth depends on your weight. That your worth depends on how you look in front of others or you're worthless the way you look right now. That's the lie that I believed. And how did I get to believing that lie? See, there are probably a number of factors that you probably want to point to, but let me just point to what may be the biggest factor of all. Look at John 8, 44 with me right now. And it says this, it says, this is Jesus talking. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, this is Jesus talking about Satan. See, the Bible teaches that every day there is a battle going on for your mind. And there's on two sides, but there's God who loves you, who made you, who knows the plans he has for you and wants the best for your life. And there's on the other side, a guy called Satan, an enemy who's there to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And he hates you because he knows that God made you and he hates God. And so his way of getting it back at God is to get at you. His name is Satan. And see, one of the most common ways that Satan tries to destroy and kill and steal your life is to convince you of a lie, is to lead you into a rut, through a lie. He's called the father of lies. In fact, Pastor Craig Groeschel of Life Church in the States, he puts it this way, is that if you succeed at something, Satan will try to convince you of the lie that you don't need God. If you fail at something, Satan will try to convince you of the lie that you'll always be a failure. If you have a really good first date with maybe someone you met online and you actually finally meet and you're, oh man, that went so well, Satan will try to convince you of the lie that romance is the only thing you need to be happy or if that disastrous, or if that first date went disaster, was a disaster, it just went so bad. You know, your, your clothes got like, you know, you know, caught on fire or I don't know what happened, but this is a bad first date. You'll be like, oh, you, the, 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 there's a lie that Satan will convince you of, which is you will never find anyone who will love you just the way you are. You're, or, you know, maybe you do a nice thing for someone who's kind of difficult to deal with. You know, Satan will come, try to convince you of the lie that you're such a great person. You don't need God's grace. Or you know what? You know, if you treat someone really badly, Satan will try to convince you of the lie that you are such an awful person. You're beyond God's grace. You know, if you try to stay away from porn, for example, you know, Satan will try to convince you of the lie that you know what? Everyone else is doing it. And if, and if, you, and if you give into that temptation, Satan will say, you know what? One, usually one of two things, two lies. One lie oh, it's harmless, no big deal. Or the other lie is you are the most disgusting person in the world. And see, here's the thing, with every situation that you're in, there is a lie that Satan wants you to believe about yourself or about your situation. How about you? What is the rut you're in today? And when you go back, if you could go back and travel down that neural pathway to where this unhealthy way of thinking all began, what lie do you see? What lie caused you to go in that direction? Maybe for you, your rut is worry. And you know for the longest time, you have just worried every time you feel there's something unexpected or uncertain in your life. Maybe could it be that the lie that you've been believing oh, like, about you is that no one is watching over me that it's all about what I do, it all depends on me, or that there's nothing bigger than my problem. That's a lie. God is bigger than your problem, and God is watching over you. Maybe, you know, for you, there's a rut of comparison where, you know, in your mind, secretly, you are constantly comparing your spouse with someone that you don't even know that well or your kid with someone that you don't know, that very, know, know very well. And what is that? That's an unhealthy way of thinking. Maybe it's even a rut for you where you keep on thinking that to the point where you're like, I would be happier with that person than with this person right now. What is the lie behind that? That lie that is, is, that, is that that person is so much better than this person. Or that lie is I'd be happier with that person than, I'm with this, with, 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 than, than with the current person I'm with. And see, that's not just you thinking that way. That is Satan, who's called the father of lies, trying to lead you into a rut. And see, Fortunately, Satan is not all powerful in your life. God is all powerful in your life. But to replace the rut with God's truth, you need to first locate the lie at the root of your rut. Because you can't defeat an enemy you can't define. That's the first point. If you want to replace the rut with God's truth, locate the root. At, locate the lie at the root of your rut. Look at Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-five, with me, real quick. What does it say? It says, "Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor for." We are all members of one body. And if you could underline these words, each of you must put off falsehood. What does that mean? It means you got to locate the lie. Before you can get rid of it, you need to find out what that falsehood is and get rid of it after that. That's the first thing you need to do, locate the lie at the root of your rut. Number two, if you want to replace you know, your rut with God's truth, discover the truth God speaks about you. So I'm in this rut in high school where I'm obsessed with losing weight, obsessed with exercise. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against eating healthy. I'm not against exercise. Those are all good things, provided that they're in a balance. But see, I believe this lie that my worth is dependent on my weight. And the turning point for me was when God spoke his truth into my life, which is that no matter how you look, you are loved. No matter what your weight is, you are loved. You can't deny the weight of my love in your life, no matter what your weight is. And see, by the way, that's true about you as well, is that no matter how you look, you are loved. You are loved by God. You might might not be looking your best right now. Maybe you're in your PJs right now because you're watching online, but God loves you just the way you are. And in fact, He loves you on your worst day just as much as He loves you on your best day. He loves you no matter how you look. Turn to me and say, You're so loved. You're so loved. You're so loved. And see, here's the thing. Discovering the truth was crucial in helping me get out of the rut. John eight thirty two says it this way, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You need to know the truth of God if you want to get out of the rut. You need to know the truth of God if you want to get out of the rut. And see, for example, maybe your rut is that, that oftentimes you think your life is so hopeless, oh, life is so meaningless. Life is so hopeless. You know, at the root of your root, very likely there's a lie that's saying I am a victim. Nothing ever goes right for me. You need to know the truth that God is working all things for your good and for his glory. That God is writing a greater story than anything that you can imagine right now. Romans 8:28 says it this way. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. If you have that, would you underline these words, in all things God works for the good. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Yeah, even the situation right now, JB, even in the situation right now, no building? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? We've got no building to have on-site services? I just did TDS1, and I said, you know, Thrive Church is my home church, and we don't even, we're homeless right now. Are you kidding me? Let me tell you this right now. The truth is this. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. God is not done with our story. He's only just begun. And praise God, what is that? That is us applying the truth of God to our situation. Whereas you might be tempted to believe the lie, everything is hopeless, everything is so unfair. No, instead, you're gonna apply the truth of God to your situation and say, God is in control. God is writing a greater story and God is gonna be here at the end of it and we're gonna be there with him too. And see, maybe your rut is resentment, is that when you think of that one person, you always get so upset inside. You're like, you have all these speeches that you say to yourself while you're in the shower thinking about that person. And at the root of your rut is likely a lie. That lie is maybe something, you know, by staying mad at that person, I'm gonna punch that person that's not that's not true by staying mad at that person it's actually you who hurts more than anyone else you know another one is you you might believe the lie that oh there's nothing greater than what they did to me there's nothing bigger than the damage and the hurt that they did to me you need to know that that is actually a lie as well because by staying mad not only you're hurting them less than you're hurting yourself the fact is god forgave us when we were completely separate from him And the debt that you owed God was far bigger than any debt that anyone else owes you. And that's why if God can forgive us, we can learn to forgive others as well. And see, here's the thing. How do you discover the truth that God speaks about you? By learning God's word. How do you discover the truth that God says about you? By learning God's word, that is the Scriptures. John 17:17 17, 17 says it this way: It says, "Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth." See, what is first of all? What does "sanctify" mean? Okay, so well, that's a big word. What does that mean? Sancti- Let me just put it to you this way, really quick. There are two stages in the life of anyone who wants to follow Jesus. Just two stages. All right. Is that at first, that first stage is called salvation. That's when you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you your sins and you start a relationship with God. It's not based on what you do. It's based on what Jesus has done for you. It's not what you earn. It's a gift that God gives to you. And it comes in an instant. The moment you receive Jesus, that is salvation. That is in the moment. That is the very first stage. And the the rest of it, the second stage is called sanctification. That's the process of you becoming more like Jesus in your mind, in your attitude, being made new in the way you think, in your habits, in your character, in your values, in your goals, the way you look at your future, the way you look at yourself. That's all a sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. And see, God didn't make you just to be saved. He made you to be sanctified. And that's why Jesus says in John 17, he prays to his father and says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, according to Jesus, God's truth is God's word. God's truth equals God's word, the scriptures. And if you want to discover God's truth, that means you need to get into God's word. See, that means reading God's word. That means learning God's word. That's studying God's word. That's memorizing God's word. That's meditating on God's word. Is that, is that if, and, and if this is an area in your life where you kind of feel a little weak or unsure or not really sure what to do, if you're maybe just exploring Christianity. by the way, if you are here and you're new to Thrive, you're new to church, you're new to the Bible, we're so thrilled that you're here. And, and here's the thing. If you are new and you want to grow in this area, you want to get to know God better, you want to get to know the Bible better, then we have something here at Thrive called Thrive Disciples School that we hope will really help you. In fact, it starts this coming Tuesday thrive Disciple school level two growing in your relationship with God and what it is it's a six-week course that's all online to help you learn how to grow in your relationship with God and we cover all sorts of different topics we talk, cover stuff about the Holy Spirit we talk cover stuff like the Bible what is the Bible how do you read the Bible you'll know, cover how to have a personal time with God you'll know, cover you know inner healing for your past hurts we cover you know, loving one another relationships all that stuff and and here you go you can sign up at mythrive.info, but we've had different people who have you know taken in this course, hundreds of people going through this course in the past, and uh, you know what? They, they've they given different feedback. Let me just give you a little bit of feed, a little bit of what they've said. They said, TDS opened a door for me to go deeper into God and answered lots of questions that I used to avoid asking. During TDS, God's word changed my life. I look forward to knowing God's word more every day. That's one, 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 one person. Wrote. Another person, they wrote, after TDS, I feel closer to God than I was before, and motivated to continue my journey of walking with God. Before this course, I had no idea how to grow closer to God. I didn't have any practical ways to study God's word. I'm now better off because I have tools to help me learn how to study God's word and how to make the most of a personal time with God. Praise God. Another one, this is the last one I'll show you right now. Uh, they wrote, you might feel that it's a big commitment right now, or maybe you're not sure if you can handle the work on top of your busy schedule. I had the same thought at first, but taking TDS was one of my best decisions this year. Whether you are still learning about Christianity or you've been a follower of Christ for some time, you will be able to learn valuable points about Christianity. This course is so organized and practical that not only will it help you build a strong foundation in Christ, but it will also help develop your personal relationship with God. I can't wait, or I, I've grown in my relationship with God in just a few weeks and I can't wait to continue my journey with him. Can we give God a big hand for all of that? Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Praise God. Those are just a few of the many people here at Thrive Church who've taken Thrive to Central School and this could be your next opportunity to grow in your relationship with God and get to understand how do I discover God's truth by getting into God's word. And so we encourage you to sign up for that. Go to mythrive.info to sign up. It's starting this coming Tuesday. You will not regret signing up for it. What's the lesson here? If you wanna discover the truth of God's word, if you wanna discover the truth of what God speaks about you, you need to get into his word. Matthew 4 verse four says, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, if you don't get into God's word and discover God's truth about you, you're gonna find this. You're gonna find that you're often swung by your feelings or your circumstances, and it's that much easier for Satan to lead you into a rut through a lie. And so that's why you gotta get into God's word. That's the second thing that we need to do. Discover God's truth that he says about you through his word. Finally, number three, is this helping you in this place today? Number three, and we're going to close. If you want to replace your rut with God's truth, make God's truth your own. Write it out, declare it, and repeat it as much as you can. Make God's truth your own, write it out, declare it, and repeat it as much as you can. Now, when I was in second year of law school, I fell into another right. And I need to be careful how I put this because you no know, kids are watching and stuff. Uh, but 20 some odd years ago when I was living on my own, at the end of the night, sometimes I'd feel really restless or bored or even kind of empty. And so to get some release, to get some relief, I would go online. And sometimes I'd end up looking at photos and videos that were not healthy for a guy like me to see. And uh, over time during that year, that became more and more of a habit. I started to form a, a pretty strong neural pathway for that, such that, you know, whenever I was stressed, whenever I felt empty, whenever I felt kind of bored, whenever I needed to pick me up, I, in the middle of the night, I would go to that. And it became a rut. Because whenever I would watch those videos, what, whatever immediate relief or release I experienced would, in the short term would almost immediately be replaced by guilt, shame, shame, anxiety, a lack of confidence, and will would just mess up the way that I look at other people. And see, what was the lie at the root of my rut? The lie that Satan was whispering in my ear and that I believed for that time is that those videos will satisfy me or those videos will give me a release. But that's a lie. Because you know what the truth was? Those videos do not satisfy me. They actually make you even more unsatisfied. Those videos won't give you the release you need. They'll actually enslave you. They won't free you. Those videos are not healthy. Those videos mess up your thought life. And see, I had to discover God's truth, which I learned in different verses in the Bible, but I'll just share one of them with you right now. Galatians 5, verse one. Galatians 5, verse one, what does it say? It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery when I, when I read that verse, I could relate to that, is that this lie that Satan had put out for me, and like bait, I just, I, I just, I went for, and I believed this lie, that somehow watching these videos would satisfy me, and give me release, and relief, and you know, and kind of give me what I was looking for, and it was a lie, it only would enslave me, rather than give me any kind of release, and so I, I, I looked at this verse, and I was like, you know, I need to remember this verse, and I, so this is God's truth, this is God's word, I got to remember this, and so I type it out on my computer, I print it out, and I'd stamp it on my wall. I'd put it on my wall, so I would see it. I'd pass by, whether I want to or not. I would pass by it every day, and I would see it. And and you know, another thing I do is I declare it. You know, I, I just kind of memorize it. And I just speak it out. I even wrote a song, kind of based. It doesn't sound very good, but it goes like, uh, "What is it? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't be burdened by yoke of slavery." You know, it's just it was one of the and, and it was like it was just something to get me remembering it, declaring it, and then I would repeat it to myself in times when I felt tempted, in times when I had the urge, oh, go and see it, or in times when I wasn't tempted, I would just try to remember that. And what am I doing? Is I'm trying to create a new neural pathway in my brain. And see, it then even led me to think of another phrase that i often repeat to myself, which is a little bit easier to remember, but it summarizes the truth of God's word for me in that moment, is that the phrase was, that's not going to help me, it's only going to hurt me. That's not going to help me. It's only going to hurt me. I pass by an ad. Oh, that's not going to help me. It's only going to hurt me. I I, I see an ad on on screen. Oh, look! no, that's not going to help me. It's only going to hurt me. And I would would say that to myself. And what was going on? Something happened over time is that the more I wrote this out, the more I declared God's truth, the more I repeated God's truth to myself, that old way of thinking became less and less powerful in my life. And from a neurological, uh, neurological perspective, like neuroscientists, they would say I was forming a new, healthy neural pathway to replace that old, unhealthy neural pathway. And from a biblical perspective, what is happening? I'm being made new in the attitude of my mind. I'm renewing my mind. And see how I do it? By putting off falsehood, getting rid of the lie, speaking the truth, replacing the rut with the truth. Amen? Amen. And I can say this, is that over the course of 23 years, that has helped me so much because it's about training your brain to think in a new way. And see, how about you? What is the rut that you're in today? What is the lie that you've believed? And what is the truth of God that you need to declare to attack that lie? For maybe that lie's been beating you up for so many years and you know, you're worthless, you're, you're nothing, you know, you're not gonna be happy unless you have this and, and you just keep on getting beaten up by that lie. It's time to stand up to that lie with the truth and say, Satan, get, be gone, because I'm standing on the truth of God. The truth of God and what God says about me. I am who says, I, am, I am. Who God says I am. And see, we want to write it out. We want to declare it. We want to repeat it. Don't take the truth of God for granted, but do those things. You know, when we, um, let me just end with this. You know, when, when we got the news that we couldn't use our, our building in Richmond, at least not right now, uh, there were two opposite feelings I experienced. There was shock, but there's also incredible peace. And I don't know why. In fact, I could, I could only think of one other time in my life when I experienced that much peace. And um, I even told Char this. I was, I was like, it's like, it's like that time. And Char was like, yeah, it's like that time. She felt the same thing. And um, you know, this morning, I don't know if it's been a crazy morning. Some people here have been here all night. Some, like our, our team, our band here, they came in at 6.30 in the morning to practice. So proud of them. In fact, can we give all our volunteers a big hand again? We're so proud of them. But, but I just want to show you something is that, um, you know, we, we got here and of course, this is this was an empty soundstage, stage, right? it, It's not even a soundstage normally. It's an office and it's, it's, a, but it's, but now our team, our incredible team has turned this into a really cool soundstage. Um, and I, I thought I'd bring a sign to help decorate the soundstage and I, I'll show it to you right now. And it's, it's a way for us to declare God's truth over our lives when we might be tempted to believe in a lie. It's us writing it out. It's us declaring. It's us repeating it. Uh, this is the sign. See that? What does it say? Read it with me. It says, the best is yet to come. You know this phrase better than almost anyone, but this has been uh, hanging in my office. And I thought, you know, I'm going to bring it here. But the funny thing is, it's just a way to remind ourselves, to write it out, to declare it, to repeat it, just to remind ourselves, the best is yet to come. God is in control. God is writing a greater story than anything we could write ourselves. This is not the end. This is the beginning. God is here, and he is going to write a greater story than anything we could write ourselves. The best is yet to come. And I came in here. I was going to show the team. In fact, I was going to show you guys today. I was going to show the team, just encourage them. But then I got to the soundstage, and I saw that... They already put up the sign. <laughs> Look at that. Do you see that? The best is yet to come. And so, c- oh, come on, can we go out, give out a big hand in this place right now? Praise God. It's because that's what we believe. It's because it's the truth. It's that when you've got Jesus Christ in your life, the best is always yet to come. And we can't wait for what God's going to do with us, with our story And we just believe that God's protection and God's preparation is here for us so that we can be ready, making room for God to do greater things than he's ever done before. And so, praise God, you might be in a struggle right now. You might be in an uncertain time right now, facing a challenge that you don't have a solution for right now. I'm here to let you know the best is yet to come. I'm here to let you know God is not done with your story. He's only just begun. And I'm here to tell you today, you know, we are going to take ourselves out of the rut and get into God's truth. And in the process, we'll find that hope lives here. Hope lives at Thrive Church. Hope lives in you and me. It's because Jesus is our hope. Oh, come on. Give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's play together right now. Praise God. Right now, I just want to end by giving you all an opportunity to respond to God. Maybe you realize today that this is a message that you need to hear. And maybe you're here and you're new to the church. You're just kind of new. You're kind of exploring. You're, you're, you're kind of new to maybe coming from another faith background or no background at all. You're kind of wondering, what's the next step that I take from here? Your next step, if I could give you a suggestion, is to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of for your sins. Um, that's the next step and uh, it's because the bible says that god loves you with an everlasting love but each one of us we've separated ourselves from god we didn't make room for god and said we pushed god away and we said i'm going to do things my way not your way and we ran away from god the bible says the wages of sin is death that because we run away from god we can't have anything to do with god not now not ever god is holy we are not and so we're kind of doomed that way the wages of sin is death but because god didn't want to be without you because he loves you because he couldn't bear to be in eternity without you. He sent Jesus Christ, his son to live the life that was the most incredible life ever lived, a life that only God in the flesh could live. And then he died on the cross to pay for our sins, to pay the penalty and die the death that were supposed to be for us. Not only did he do that, but on the third day, he rose again to show that unlike anyone else who ever started a faith or a movement, you can trust everything that Jesus says because he rose again. And so if you're here and you've never taken that step of asking Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, we want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. It's so simple. All you have to do is pray a prayer. It doesn't so much matter the words that you speak as much as the attitude of your heart, but still I do find that having something to read and to see helps. And so what you can do is this. If you want to ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, then I want to ask you to click the link that's in your chat room right now or there's a QR code on your screen and you can scan that QR code and it's gonna take you to a page with a very short, simple prayer on it. And this is just a simple, humble way for us to ask Jesus Christ to forgive of your sins. And if you need to do that today, we encourage you to do that today. Don't wait on that, don't delay on that. You don't know what's gonna to happen tomorrow. Do that today. If you realize today that today's message was for you, if you realize that you need God's forgiveness for sin and you want the peace of God that only God can give and you want a relationship with God, not just a religion, not just rules to follow, but what a relationship with God. That I encourage you to take the step of clicking that, 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 that link, scan that QR code. And just so you're not doing this alone, we're gonna do this. with. I'm gonna pray this prayer with you. In fact, I'm gonna encourage everyone here at church to pray the same prayer with you. Those of you watching online, if you've prayed this prayer before, would you pray it with those who are praying for the first time? And let's just pray this prayer right now to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. You can say this with me. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, You died on the cross cross to pay for my sins. sins. You rose again again to give me life. life. Today, Today, I open up my heart heart and I ask you, you, please forgive me me of all my sins sins and fill me me with your Holy Spirit. Spirit. I place my trust, trust not in what I do, do, but in what you've done for me. me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, then according to the Bible, according to God's word, God's truth, you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You have a relationship with God, not based on what you do, but what Jesus Christ has done for you. And to encourage you in that new relationship with God, you can go down to the bottom of that page that you just prayed that prayer on. There's a link to some gifts that we'd love to give to you. On top of that, we encourage you to keep coming to church. Keep joining us here at Thrive Church, here online for the time being and in other ways later. And keep joining us here because Every baby needs a family to grow up in. We would love to be your spiritual family. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. It's simply you saying, I know I'm a sinner who needs a savior, but I thank Jesus Christ for dying on the cross for me and being my savior. And if that's you, we encourage you to get baptized. We'd love to help you with that. You can go to mythought.info for more information on baptism. Praise God.